Get ready. Big show on tap. Jimmy Himes. It is a Wednesday. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. Here we go. It is a Wednesday. That means Jimmy Himes will join us. Look forward to that. He's like a 15-time Hall of Famer. He's as good as they get. And it is Thump Day. Not Hump Day, but Thump Day. That's what it's called and gator week so uh here we go we've got a lot to get to on the program today including the balls and gators that you need to watch and again the balls ask about that players only meeting that by some is being spun into a good or a bad thing but i think it's just a thing i think it's a thing that happens with teams and think it could end up being a good thing for the balls and Tennessee special teams guys we haven't talked much about it because this defense has been exciting and that's understandable but I'll tell you what this special teams could be really really good so we'll have four downs talking mm-hmm. some special teams and other things going on Caleb how are you sir I am doing good happy Wednesday Dave and how are you doing I'm fantastic. Uh, One of those great nights of sleep that you're certainly appreciative of. So Tennessee, Florida on a Wednesday and uh, the Vols were asked. Amari Hand was. I think that there was a little Amari Thomas. Amari Thomas. I'm I'm showing my age. I think there was a little bit of confusion. It was not just an offensive meeting. It was for the entire players uh, when they had a players only meeting and uh, the more I hear from the players and the way they talked about it, you know, they they want this to be an, a, a no big deal thing. And uh, I get that. But I think it can be a big deal thing and an incredible positive, uh, Caleb. So uh, what were your thoughts on what Amari Thomas had to say about the players only meeting before we get to Jimmy Himes Hall of Famer with the sports animal? Well, honestly, I was kind of shocked like you were. I Well, not like you were, but I was I was one of those people who initially thought it was just an offensive team meeting. But I, look, I got to give him credit. He seemed to take accountability, too. I mean, you know, he said we can't cheat the process. Um, and he made it very clear that how that it was very important how they approach each week and their preparation. And look, I've been impressed with Amari Thomas since I interviewed him in the off season. He's clearly a leader of this defense right now. And that's not just because y'all are going to say I'm a hater of Aaron Beasley. No, I just think Amari Thomas is the clear leader of this defense emotionally, which I I can't remember the last time a defensive tackle was the leader of the defense. I don't want to go all the way back to John Henderson and I'm not comparing Thomas to John Henderson, but Dave, do you like was Dan Williams a leader in 2009? No, that was Eric Berry. I'm trying to think. You know, I'll tell you what, let's uh, a leader at defensive tackle. I mean, that's not really easy to do. So let's go ahead and bring in 
Jimmy Hyams right now of the Sports Animal. Semi-retired, but he's working more than I think he uh, meant to. Go ahead and click like and subscribe, and we appreciate that. And we've really appreciated the amount of uh, support and the way things are going lately on OffTheHookSports.com. So thank you. Jimmy Hyams joins us with a great column on special teams. And Jimmy, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Dave. Caleb, how are you doing? Pretty good. How's it going, Jimmy? Good. Uh, Jim, when's the last time before we dive into your special teams column that Tennessee has had a leader at the defensive tackle position? It's tough to be a leader at that position by the nature of it. John Henderson. Pretty good. John Henderson is a leader. That's where I went to, but I just didn't want to go all the way that far back. And it was so there's been nobody since Henderson. A defensive tackle that I can think of that would be a leader? No. Now, I'll tell you this about Dan Williams. Dan Williams, uh, there were efforts to move him from defense to offense because there were some coaches that didn't think he could play defense in the SEC. He ended up proving them wrong. John Henderson was a leader. I remember there was a particular game, I want to say it was the SEC championship game, where he got mad at halftime and he picked up a crate that had a bunch of uh, Gatorade bottles in it and threw it against the wall and smashed it and liquid flew all over the locker room. Now, he was 6'8 and 300-and-something pounds. That got people's attention. Uh, I don't remember any defensive tackle <laughs> going to those extremes at Tennessee than what he did. So just off the top of my head, John Henderson is the one that comes to mind based on your question. Yeah, and that was uh, that was early in my career, so I didn't have that insight, and I didn't know that about John Henderson, to be frank with you. I, I didn't view him as a leader until you shared that. The other one that I thought was a leader that is even a little bit before my time and his time would be, I thought Darwin Walker yes. was a leader. Um, what did you think of him? Yeah, I, I like Darwin Walker a lot. He was a transfer from North Carolina State, came in, and right away he earned the respect of the players uh, with his intensity, with his effort, with his strength. He ended up being a really, really good defensive tackle for Tennessee. I would put Walker in that leadership role as well. But you mentioned it earlier. It's You don't find a whole lot of leaders that are defensive tackles, right? Uh, linebackers, maybe a defensive back, maybe a rush, rush edge guy, edge rusher. You don't find many of them that are tackles. No, you don't. I think it's partly the nature of the position as well because yes. you can't see as much of the defense. Just kind of got your hand down and you got to do what you got to do. Let's go ahead and get today's tough question question and it's brought to you by our friends of course in zen sports zen sports i'll tell you more about them today's tough question is now today's tough question take a side take a stand the dave hooker show a presentation of off the hook sports.com so here's what we're going to tackle and that is Jimmy Himes' column on special teams, which is a huge, huge plus for the ball so far based off what I've seen. And I think it speaks mm -hmm. to Tennessee's depth. And also Elijah Herring. I want to get Jimmy's thoughts on that as well. And it's brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get. And with their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash uh, for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for the first 15 days. When you sign up with promo code hooked, that's hooked. 
That's right, unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that and refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports is bringing you the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on Zen Sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. The official gambling partner of Off the Hook Sports Gambling Problem, call 1-800-889-9789, must be 21 and over, and in Tennessee to bet. So Cooper Mays always uh, gets us started on four downs, but as far as today's tough question, this players-only meeting that we have discussed throughout the week, just initially broad lens. Uh, Jimmy, what did you think of a players-only meeting held on Sunday afternoon to not only address the passing game, but to address perhaps a lack of extreme focus in the week heading up to the Austin P game? What was your take? My initial take is I like it uh, because you you have a players' meeting when you're concerned. You have a players' meeting when you don't think you're playing up to a standard. And Tennessee didn't play to its standard against Austin P. So they recognized there was a problem. It's not like, okay, yippee, we beat Austin P. Now let's focus on Florida. No. Uh, gosh, I saw where Kentucky's coach, Mark Stoops, was like, hey, we beat Eastern Kentucky. I don't want to hear any complaining about it. No. Tennessee beat Austin P. And as Josh Heupel said afterward, is it a win? Absolutely. Do they need to get better? Absolutely. They have to play better than that in conference play. They have to play better than that if they want to beat Florida. The fact that the players recognize that and would call a meeting and they're concerned about the level of play, I think is a good thing. Now, at 10 o'clock or 10.30 Saturday night, <laughs> I might change my mind if Florida beats them. But I, on, the, on the, uh, the just first blush, I think the meeting is a good thing because the players recognize they've got to play better. Jimmy, is that something that you say maybe when Tennessee was down during the 2010s, late 2000s they were lacking i know the 98 team was all basically as davis covered for me over the past few months i've learned that they were basically player led specifically Mm -hmm. but did you feel like the 2010s teams whatever you want to say about the coaches it just seemed like the coaches were always more concerned about what was happening than the players themselves yeah and and here's this is i don't have a hundred percent confirmation on this but here's what i think i think in the 2010s they wouldn't have a players' meeting because they didn't care enough. This team cares enough. That team, eh, okay. All right, got beat, eh, so what? Played a close game, so what? I just don't think they were as invested as this team. I don't think they were as invested with the coaching staff as they are with this staff. Look, they want to win for themselves. They want to win for the staff. They want to win for the fans. But I think it's the care factor is what led to that players' meeting, whereas – And uh, the 2010s, I I don't think they cared enough to have a players-only meeting. You know, that's a great point. I want to kind of break it down like this, Jim. I think that probably 20 25% of the guys really, really cared and wanted to bring the rest on board. So if they had a players' meeting, it's like, please, please care. Whereas I think 100% of these guys are invested, and they're like, you better bleep and care or you're going to be in trouble. It feels like that to me. Yeah, I think that I think that is the case. And so uh, I think that the players get after each other when necessary uh, and in a good way. So I, I think that that is a I think that's a positive sign for this team that they uh, do have enough care about. Look, I, I thought it was interesting day before the year. And you heard this at the SEC football media days when they talked about last year, they're 11 and two 
and they win the Orange Bowl, and they're ranked number six in the country. And I, we, we didn't achieve our goal. The goal was to win the East Division, and so they didn't achieve it. So they weren't all happy about last year, which I thought they would be. They were coming in with the mindset of we didn't achieve their go- our, our goal. So I think there is a lot more a lot more players that are intentional about what they would like to accomplish at Tennessee. We could debate uh, over whether or not those were inaccurate passes, drop passes. I do mm-hmm. think Joe Milton throws a heavy ball. I think it's a tough ball to catch. But the fact that he stands up and he says, I'm going to take all the blame, whether or not it's 100% his, I thought was incredibly strong. Yeah, and and he's uh, I think he's a really good leader. Uh, I do have this concern about Joe Milton, and if you can find something to correct me, I, I'll listen. But I think he throws a ball that's hard to catch. I think if he throws a high pass with, with at 90 miles an hour, they're not going to catch it. If he throws one low and away, it's coming so hard, they're not going to catch it. Tell me the times that you can remember saying, boy, that was a great catch on a Joe Milton errant throw. I can tell you a whole bunch of times when Hendon Hooker, who threw a pass, it wasn't 100% accurate, where they made some really nice catches because Hooker threw a more catchable ball. With Milton, because he throws it so hard, I don't think we're going to be talking game in and game out about, man, that was a great catch. We'll talk more about play, uh, catches that weren't made or catches or, or drops along the way. So there were some errant throws. I counted three drops. And if he didn't throw, I don't know, was it 18 completions at the line of scrimmage, his, his, his numbers would have been awful uh, the other day. What, he started one out of eight against Austin P. So I think because he throws a, a ball that's much harder to catch, you're not going to see a lot of acrobatic re- receptions by his receivers. Interesting. I agree with that. Jimmy, building on this a little bit, um, it's funny you talk about the players' care, and I wonder if part of that is still a reflection of the coaches, though, where you said, and I kind of see it this way, where I think Josh Heupel and the coaching staff has earned the respect of the players wanting to play for them, whereas the previous coaches mm-hmm. didn't. I still remember Butch Jones in 2017, after you say they look at last year's a disappointment. Well, I remember after 2016, when Tennessee was supposed to win the East and finish 9-4 and four, in 2017, Butch at SEC Media Days was like, well, I don't look at last year as a disappointment. And they, even the players had to be like, no, it is a disappointment. And so do you think do you think part of this is a culture thing that it does come down from Josh Heupel at the top, which it did not do with previous coaches? Let's remember that under Butch Jones, they won the Gator Bowl championship and went seven and six. And he was all excited about that. Absolutely. The, the standard with this coaching staff and what their expectations are. I did like when Josh Heupel got here and inherited an absolute mess that he would not put a ceiling on what the team could do. How many wins do you think he can get? He wouldn't go there. They just went out and tried to do the best they could do. I think the players really enjoy playing for Heupel and the staff. I think they like going to practice. I think they like uh, hanging around their coaching staff. And I think that makes a heck of a difference. Your attitude makes a big difference. And so, yeah, I I think that um, I think there's more drive with this group rather than being satisfied by going seven and six and winning the Gator Bowl. Yeah, and I want to get to the special teams topic because a great column by Jimmy. I think the special teams will maybe not win a game because they might not need it to, but I think they will contribute mightily to a couple of wins this season. Um, and But I do want to get to this. It is stupid we're playing a six-year guy over an all-world freshman, that according to our message board. Here's what I was told by somebody within the program, Jimmy, and it was it was this. 
is that there is no way, no matter how bad Joe Milton plays, that they're making any sort of change to Nico, that this is Joe's team, aside from injury, that the coaching staff absolutely loves Joe Milton. So I think I, I have at least set that aside. Have you heard anything different? No, but but I will say this. If Joe Milton throws four interceptions at Florida and they lose, and then he throws four interceptions against Texas San Antonio and they barely win, they'll make a change. I believe that. So. I do. I think if he now that's he's got to struggle mightily. Yeah, that's an extreme. To make that change, an extreme. Uh, he's got to throw a whole bunch. He hadn't thrown an interception at Tennessee, right? So I don't expect that to happen. But if they're sitting there, Tennessee sitting there at four and four, and he's struggling and he's ineffective, I think they would make the change. So again, only under an extreme situation do I think a change would be made. I don't think it'll get to that, and I certainly wouldn't go with him. Here's the thing, too. It, uh, I saw we're on the message board. Nico's all world. How do you know that? Have you seen him in practice? Just because he's got five stars attached to him. Uh, Clemson just got rid of a quarterback that was a five-star guy. What was his name? DJ Ungalele? He's not even at Clemson anymore. Just because you're a five-star doesn't mean you're a great player. Now, do I think Nico's going to be a great player? I do. But I've also been told by some folks in the program he's not ready yet. And that stands to reason. Not many true freshmen are. Yeah. He's- and I would just add – Go ahead, Kevin. So I would add, too, before we wrap this part up, it's not even thinking about this year. I've, I, From what I've understood is Nico is not at the weight he needs to be at yet to play SEC ball. So you bring him out there and he, and he, before he's ready and he gets broken in half, well, that ruined, that ruined you could ruin his whole career because of that, his sophomore, junior, and senior year. Yeah, I think oh. of – Jimmy, I think of, I think of Patrick Ramsey with uh, Steve Spurrier – the Redskins, that poor guy. I don't know if he was going to be good or not, and we'll never know because he got the H-E double hockey sticks beat out of him early and often. Yeah, and and uh, Nico is very thin. He does need to put on some weight. He does need to get stronger, no doubt about that. Uh, now, am I excited about what I think his future will be? Yes, but I don't think that – look, I'll just say this. If he takes over as a quarterback at Tennessee this year, Tennessee's having a bad year and Joe Milton's having a bad year. So the fans that are clamoring for that, I think, are misguided by that. It just means Tennessee's having a – they're struggling mightily or they would, or, or, or Nico wouldn't be the starting quarterback. So I, I almost think it's pretty silly to, uh, to, for people to be thinking about, yep, yeah, let's go with Nico right now. That makes no sense to me. Nope, I totally agree. There were a couple of boos in the stands, and I know all Twitter went a little bit crazy, even in the Virginia game when there were just a couple of errant passes – by joe milton but i don't think we're anywhere close to that four downs is now and it's brought to you by andy mason of andy mason real estate.com four downs four questions four answers the dave hooker show four four, four. downs a presentation of off the hook sports.com all right, we get to it. AndyMasonRealEstate.com, best prices, best service in the biz. AndyMasonRealEstate.com will take care of you for any real estate needs in Knoxville. I've known the guy for like three decades, and he's my realtor. He should be yours. So we get to four downs right now, and Cooper will set it up for us. Cooper Mays, who, by the way, what are you hearing on him, Jimmy? I'm hearing about 50-50 that he plays against 
Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Uh, I've also heard a number of people reporting what his injury was. I'll still stay away from that. Uh, he did have surgery. If you want to go with it, fine. But uh, others are, I've talked to have said they know and have told me. But having said that, I think it is about 50-50. Uh, I do think he's important to this team. I know they ran the ball well against Virginia and Austin P without him. This is a whole different animal going to Florida in the swamp trying to deal with that crap. Yeah, I have not reported the injury, and I'm going to go ahead and work this in, too. I know that people would naturally think that Cooper or Jacob were the ones that told me about the players only meeting. It was neither. It was not discussed with either, so you can go ahead and take that for what it's worth. That was another source within the program. So I don't know why I wanted to say that, but I want to get that out because I respect the relationship I have with them as as partners, and it was not from them. So here we go. It is uh, Four Downs brought to you by Cooper Mays. What down, Coop? Coop here, first down. D. Williams, pump return, over, under. Oh, man, I want to put this at two and a half, Jimmy, but I'm going to put it at one and a half. Pump returns for a touchdown this season. For this season? Yes. I'm going to go over one and a half. Would you, you go said over? one and a half, right? Yeah. Would you go over two and a half, though? No, no, that's, that's <laughs> no, okay. It's <laughs> like it's tough. I mean, how many people in the country have ever had three punt returns for touchdowns in a season? If if you had said two and a half on punt and kick returns, boy, that'd make it a little bit harder. I think I, I think you'll pop two punts and maybe a kickoff return. But okay. So, so you one got and the- a half, I'm going over on punt returns. Touchdowns. Over under punt returns. Caleb. I'll go over two and a half if we include kickoff returns in this because he's we're running not. back those. We're not because we're changing second down on the fly. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that. I apologize. Okay, I'll go one and a half on punt returns. Sorry. Yeah, one and a okay, half. Okay, on one and a half. Over, over, over one and a half. Over one and a half. <laughs> it's, not, it's not your fault. I just changed it on the fly. Uh, I'm going over as well. I think you'll have two. Okay, second down. And by the way, Mike Eckler said that D. Williams is the best returner in college football. Maybe – in at any level. In other words, maybe better than anybody in the NFL. That's a pretty strong comment. It's hot stuff. He's shot yeah. out of a cannon. I can't I can't disagree with that off the top of my head, but that's that's saying a lot. Where well, does Eckler's probably had a lot of chili before he made that comment? Hot chili. <laughs> Where is, oh, uh, well, okay, I'm changing it up. Where does Eckler rank among the best assistants? I don't know if this is second down or not, because I want to get back to the D. Williams as the kick returner, too. Where does he rank among the best assistants on the staff? I'm going to probably go somewhere in the middle. I All right, I'll start with who I'd rank ahead of him. I, I think the world of Joey Halsley is a position coach, and I think he's really good at what he does. Uh, I'm going to go Glenn Ellaby on the offensive line. I think he's outstanding. Uh, I'm going to go Rodney Garner on the defensive line. I think uh, Tim Banks is a defensive coordinator. That's four. I Now I'm looking at, at possibly bringing in Eckler at, at, uh, at that spot. Uh, the receivers coach, I like him. I want to see a little bit more out of the receivers this year. I'd go, I'd go fifth or sixth for Eckler. I might have him a little higher because I think he brings juice to a staff that relies on um... – the, the mental approach of the game. I think mm-hmm. he brings some juice to that. I think it's a thinking man's 
sort of staff. All right, let's get to what was now second down. That was going to be second down, but we're adding down. Well, like, I'm putting him at fourth, even though Dave, Dave doesn't care about my opinion. I do care about your <laughs> I was just freelancing and all over the place. Jimmy knows I'm apt to do that. Second down? Cooper Mays here. Second down. Okay. So I'm going to put it at three and a half. Punt returns, kick returns, D. Williams for a touchdown. Caleb, because I care about your opinion. <laughs> What you got? <laughs> I'm going to go under three and a half. I'll go. I can't go over three and a half. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> Very well said, Caleb. I'm going to go under three and a half as well. Again, I, I can't remember hardly anybody in the country that's ever had four returns for touchdowns in a season uh, at any level. So I'm going to go under. So if I put it at two and a half, would you guys both go over? Yeah, I'd go over. Wow. Three's Strong. my yeah. number. I'd go over two. Strong, strong. I mean, that says a lot about the special teams. I think this is a different football team that doesn't have to rely on 60-point games, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, What down is it, Coop? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. There we go. Special teams, I believe, means depth. When you're good at special teams, you have depth. If the ball's depth was an F, and I think we would all agree on that when Josh Heupel took over, what is it now? Jimmy, let me start with you. Okay, the special teams, overall special teams right now, I'm I'm going to go with a, a B, uh, maybe even a B minus. Uh, they got to get the punting figured out. They're not very good at punting. By the way, I think Jackson Ross is better at the rugby punt with the left foot. Uh, he shanked three with the right foot. He's, he averaged 48 yards uh, punt against Austin P with his left foot. So make him punt left-footed. Uh, kickoffs have had – Jimmy, it's amazing how amphibious he is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> lizard. Um, so I, I think um, uh, right. on the kickoffs, they've had three that have been out of bounds. Okay, you can't have that. The other team's starting on thirty-five yard line. So, so those are my uh, negatives about the special teams. The positives we touched on: D. Williams, their kick coverage, punting kick coverage has been phenomenal. According to Eckler, they haven't given up a yard on a punt return in 15 games. Think about that. 15 games? Are you kidding me? That's phenomenal. I think that speaks to their depth. It also speaks to their ability to um, basically punt it in a directional punting. So uh, I uh, I think that's pretty remarkable what they've been able to do in that regard. And I so um, those are the positives. And I think uh, Charles Campbell is a place kicker has done well, although it's kind of hard for me to judge him. He hadn't kicked a field goal over 40 yards. He's made all his extra points. He hadn't been put in a position where he has to make a clutch kick, as uh, my yard guy keeps uh, mine did that. On, mine did that on Monday. Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it always happens when we're recording. And actually, I, I meant to ask this as the ball's depth um, yeah. overall was an F, I think, when, when Tennessee, when Josh Heupel took over. Yeah. What is it now? I think it's a B plus. Uh, I think they're really good in that regard. I think that's one reason the special teams are so good. I mean, even Eckler talked about James Pierce, the defensive end. They they grade this. They call it a, a flying start because you on the punt coverage. Once he gets started, he ran a four one forty. That's ridiculous. Uh, he said that Herring has run a four three in the forty with the flying start with the running start. Uh, so you've got you got more good athletes that are on special teams, which is one reason the special teams are better now than they were prior. 
Okay, Caleb, where would you depth? Where would you rank uh, Tennessee right now as opposed to they were an F when Josh Heupel took over? I'll go one one notch below Jimmy. I'll go B, and I'll the reason I'll go B is we still don't know about the depth at offensive line yet, or the depth in the secondary. But I will say it is reflective of special teams, as Jimmy brought up, because and it's apropos that we're talking about this this week when Tennessee plays Florida, because. I still have memories of Brandon James. I think he's still running for a touchdown against Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm actually going to go a little higher. I will go A because the two guys that they've lost, I thought were significant losses in the way they directed the team and their play, talking about Cooper Mays and Keenan Peely, and they've cruised on without them. So unless they lose a guy that proves me wrong, I'm actually going to go – a little bit higher. Coop, last down, what down? Cooper Mays here, second down. You mentioned Elijah Herring. At the end of the day, who will have the better career for Tennessee? Caleb Herring or Arian Carter? Elijah Herring. You mean, you meant to say Elijah Herring, I mean. Oh, yes, Elijah Herring. I was thinking of Caleb. Uh, Elijah Herring or Arian Carter, Jimmy? That's hard to say. I like what Herring is doing right now. I love Aaron Carter's athletic ability and what he brings to the table. Boy, I'm going to lean toward Harry just because I've seen more of him. Okay. So he's proven already to me that he's a pretty good football player. I think Carter's upside is incredible. I think Herring's just pretty good too. I'm going to go with Herring only because I've got more of a body of work from which to judge. Fair. I'm going with Carter. Caleb, you? I'm going with Arian Carter, but I do want to stop and just give a lot of praise to Elijah Herring because he's been a real rock for Tennessee. If we all forget, he committed to Josh Heupel in 2021 before anybody else committed in that class and before we knew what Josh Heupel was. He was the first four-year commitment, and now he's stepping in at middle linebacker with Keenan Peely hurt maybe a little bit before he's ready so Beasley can stay weak side linebacker and prove Jimmy Wright and be wrong about Aaron Beasley. And I think that he deserves – I want to give Elijah Herring a lot of credit for that. So I, I hold Herring in very high regard, but long-term Aaron Carter, I think, is going to have the better career. Jimmy, it was so great. I was out and about listening uh, to you on uh, football finals. So you, you're still out there, even though retired. Where all can we follow your work? Right here. You can That's follow right. right here. Um, <laughs> and here's uh, – I've, I've actually agreed to do more than I thought I would. So on Fridays, I'm doing the roundtable with He Shooter on the Sports Animal. I'm doing a, a, a Saturday morning show with Doug Matthews out of Nashville. I'm doing football final Saturday. I'm doing the Sunday sports sound off with Tim Irwin Sunday mornings. And then I'm doing the sports source uh, with John Pennington uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So I've got those things going on the weekend. Uh, yours is the only one I'm doing on a weekday. By golly. So this is Hans mad at so, me. No, no, that just tells you how much respect I have for Caleb. I mean, you. <laughs> <laughs> Love me some Jimmy Hobbs. He's oh, absolutely dude. the best. And don't tell Tim Irwin, but he always kind of scares me. Well, yeah, that's why I don't ever argue with him. No. I just say, are you sure, Judge? Are you no, sure? I mean, he's like six, eight. <laughs> really? he, came in, he came in one time, uh, Jimmy and I, and, and he was, he was going to sit in for a segment. And he came up to me and he goes, why are there no parking spots outside? I don't know, but I'm scared. <laughs> I went and painted some. What yeah, he said? Yeah. You need yeah. me to extend the parking lot, yeah. Mr. Irwin. That was me out there Saturday night painting spots so Tim Irwin had a place to park. <laughs> I didn't want to hear that. 
Jimmy, have a blessed day. Can't tell you how happy and privileged we are to have you a part of what we're doing. Thank you. Hey, Caleb, enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Y'all have a great day. Jimmy Himes, absolutely the best. And coming up, speaking of the best, we will have five balls to watch against Florida, five Gators to watch. So a lot going on. Click that like and subscribe button and start to fill out the message board right now of the balls and Gators to watch in the upcoming Tennessee-Florida game. It's Florida Week off the hook sports. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler. And we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Well, we got something special coming. I'm picking it up today. It is the Big Orange Crunch, and it will be available at Hemp House Chat with two T's, hemphousechat.com, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products, high quality and safety first. So uh, check out hemphousechat.com. So we'll have the big orange crunch with the uh, THC in it. So uh, you, you can party it down however you choose to. And yeah, we talked about Mike Eckler a second ago. Where is Tennessee staff without a guy that brings juice? I think Garner brings juice during practice, but Eckler's the guy on the sidelines that brings a lot of juice. This is a thinking man staff, and I think you need one guy like an Eckler 
bouncing around, slapping guys on the shoulder pads and more. I think he's very valuable in more than just X's and O's, Caleb. Oh, absolutely. Mike Eckler tweets a lot about having fun in Knoxville and just, I mean, he promotes like the lifestyle of being involved with Tennessee. And I think he's got a ton of energy and you got to give him his props for that. No, I, I'm a huge fan of Mike Eckler. I do see kind of a young Rodney Garner in him now that you say that. I don't know if he maybe has higher aspirations to be more than a position coach. I'm sure he does. But I will say this day and age, Dave, being a career positions coach is not a bad gig given what it pays nowadays. And it's No, back when I started covering football, you made like $70,000, which wasn't bad money for the 90s. Don't get me wrong. But you could be shifted to another city if there were a coaching change. That's why guys like David Cutcliffe and John Chavis fought for multi-year contracts, which didn't exist for assistance. So I always thought that was a, a big, big deal. And then by the time that they were um, uh, winning championships, they were getting upwards of $250,000 and they were getting two-year contracts, I believe. But that was like an you just never gave a multi-year contract to an assistant coach. So imagine your family, if things don't go well because of a bunch of 18 or 19 year olds, you suddenly have to take a job in Eugene and you either have to leave your family and coach and come back when you can. And you never can because it's a 12 month a year job, 52 weeks. Um, So yeah, I, I mean, nowadays an assistant coach, uh, at the college level, at this type of level, is not a bad gig at all. Five balls to watch for Tennessee against Florida. And uh, let's go ahead and get it rolling right now. And I actually, Caleb, would have probably gone with your guy at number five at number one. Um, I, I've just, uh, I find it interesting that you got Wesley Walker there at number five, a guy that you liked from preseason, a guy that you thought would have a major impact and already has. So good call by you. You got Wesley Walker, number five. Why? Yeah, so Wesley Walker is going to be key. Look, Florida is a pro-style offense, and they're going to try to do a vertical passing attack in this game. And so you're going to see Wesley Walker. And with the way Tim Binks dials up blitz packages, you're going to see Walker in in the passing game and coverage and trying to make plays in the backfield. And he, again, I, I've talked about this a lot. We keep forgetting he was the highest graded PFF, returning PFF safety on PFF this year in the SEC. And he finished strong last year. And I think he's just kind of slowly. Just, just take a second and say that again so it sinks in for everybody, please. Wesley Walker was the highest, had the highest PFF grade of any returning safety in the SEC at the beginning of the year. A very underrated bright spot in Tennessee secondary last year. He just wasn't the full-time starter, and it took him a, lo- a little while to get going. Yep. He's Where going. Else get- Where else do you get info like that? The guy's like a football savant. He's a ball savant. That may be your new your new nickname. Savant. Uh, savant. Savant. Yeah. Workshopping, workshopping live. Here we go. Uh, you got uh, Jalen Wright, number four. I'm going to disagree with you on this list a little bit because I think that Jabari Small would be able to fill in any sort of gap if need be if Jalen Wright didn't have his best day. And then you have Dylan Sampson. So just because of depth, I wouldn't have him on this list. But I do think he's shown that he is by far Tennessee's best tailback this season. Yeah, I, I, 
I think any of them are going to run the ball well. I mean, Utah ran the ball well, slightly well, not great, but they ran it well, and they didn't have a quarterback in that game. And Florida still couldn't really stop them on the ground. So I, I think I think Jalen Wright's going to run it well. I just think he's destined for a big game. If you really want to say it, if you want to be honest, Javante Spragans is the is the key player in this because he's the one who's opening up the lanes. But I think Jalen Wright is the most complete back, so that's why I got Jalen Wright there. Lance Pepper on our message board saying, saying Walker is our best hitting DB. That dude hammers offensive players. Totally agree. And uh, another post about Wright. How good has it been to see Wright seemingly lose his fumble issues? Yeah, I think he has. And he's playing more physical ball and he's trying to extend plays. So that has been doubly good for Tennessee, which has before been. Before we move on to the. Impressive. Yes. Before we go to the next me- message that I see on there. I want to point out that the reason Jalen Wright was fumbling a lot, that was at the beginning of last year. He missed almost all of preseason camp last year because he was hurt. And yep. so he was way out of rhythm when he got on the field. Yeah. And I would say that uh, contact, real contact when you miss preseason camp leads to fumbles. And he, he started, he really cleaned it up. Correct me if I'm wrong towards the, early last year towards even the middle last year. I don't remember significant fumbles after mid I don't think, I don't remember anything since after SEC play started. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. And then my guy, Caleb. See, one of the things I love about me and Caleb, that sounds weird, I love this about me, is that uh, we're willing to admit when we're wrong. Aaron Beasley was not one of your favorite balls. But now he's number three on the guys that are most important in the swamp. Why, sir? Well, Aaron Beasley, I am eating a little crow. Jimmy was right. It was him playing out of position. Was Had a historic game against Austin P. Elijah Herring being able to start a middle linebacker is going to allow for Aaron Beasley to make a lot of plays. Dave, Tim Banks already dials up a lot of pressure packages. He's going to take that to the extreme. This Saturday, Florida has a statue at quarterback who's used to playing behind those Wisconsin elite blockers, giving him time to throw the blockers of Florida. Don't give him any time to throw Tim Banks is I'm telling you, he's sitting back just like ready to eat. He's ready to go ballistic. And Aaron Beasley will be used on all of those. And I could see like see some history guys in this one. He made history last week. You could see like 18 times. You might see some water boy Bobby Boucher stats from Aaron Beasley this weekend. Nice. Now, everybody, everybody. Oh, and I've got the D Williams message up. I'm sorry, I put the put the wrong one. Tennessee should use D Williams on offense. So I'm just gonna go ahead and do that. There, I got it fixed. I put the wrong one up. Sorry. All right. So this is where Caleb, to me, gets a little crazy, a little bit insane, because wouldn't you have Joe Milton? Number one, hey now. But instead, Caleb has Joe Milton third, Junior Esquire, Senior the eighth, uh, at two. That's crazy. How's he not number one, Caleb Calhoun? Well, again, Utah proved you can beat Florida without good quarterback play. Mm. and Tennessee has a better running game than Utah. So I think if if Joe Milton is off again, they can just stick to the run game and do those little bubble screens consistently. And barring fumbles and holding penalties like the last game, I, 
I still think Florida would have a hard time starting stopping them. And then it will come down to whether or not Tennessee's defense can get the stop. And how they get the stop is the number one guy on this list. The number one guy is, do you want to, would you like a drum roll for the number one guy? The best I've got. (laughs) He speaks Spanish because he can roll his R's. He's Caleb Calhoun. Who's number one? The guy that you guys, you guys say I'm crazy, but y'all are the ones calling him the next Leonard Little. So, James. It's not me. It's, it's a guy named Fred White that, man, you don't want him mad at you. I'll tell you, I'll tell him that you called, that you called him out and then it's trouble. (laughs) Well, it's James Pierce Jr. He has had three sacks through two games already. And you could go with Tyler Barron or Roman Harrison here, but like, it's just, everything screams. James Pierce is the new breakout superstar and Florida's offensive tackles are the worst tackles in the sec. Tim Binks is going to dial up a ton of pressure packages. That's why I called with Aaron Beasley. You're going to see the same historic performance from Pierce. And it doesn't even matter if Tennessee's offense isn't moving the ball. The key, they can still win this game. If James Pierce has a Derek Barnett type of performance in an SEC game, you know, three tackles for a loss, two sacks, forced fumble, maybe recovers one for a touchdown. Who knows? I'm just saying, watch out. James Pierce might make some history this weekend, too. We had this question from Smoky Mountain Red on the message board. Dave, over under 12 screens this weekend. I'm going to go under, and here's why, Smoky Mountain Red. I think you're going to see a lot of soft coverage which guys are going to play back. That means they have their eyes looking forward as opposed to man-to-man coverage, and you got to keep your eyes on the receiver. So I think screens won't be as as effective, and I don't think Joe Milton throws that ball incredibly well. I do think it's part of the arsenal, but I wouldn't be surprised because of of the way teams have played Tennessee to this point if uh, Tennessee relies more on some other pass plays over the middle that weren't completed. But again, two or three of those that are completed keeps the chains moving uh, over the middle, the slants and the digs and those, the, you know, those sort of passes. So I don't think you'll see a ton of screens, but you very well might. I mean, we saw some of those last year, but we shall see. Smoky Mountain Red says if they stack the box, screens will be uh, 50-50. Will Florida stack the box? That's interesting. Um And you certainly wouldn't have done that last year. Do you do it this year? That's why it is a different team. Do you think they stack the box this year? Do they respect Tennessee downfield? Because so far, partly because of a Ramel Keaton drop, which could have changed the way that uh, Tennessee was defended against Austin P. Well, they played back anyway. But if you hit one of those, that that one to Ramel Keaton, it scares people. Sounds weird, but I don't think Tennessee scares people deep yet until they prove it, which this might be the year or the, and the, the week. Excuse me. The reason they might stack the box. Yes, Tennessee screens worked a lot this past weekend. They picked up a couple of penalties on them that killed drives. And more importantly than that, Dave, we can't be sold on the, the key to these screens that they're stacking the box is Tennessee's receivers have to block. We can't be sold on that ability just because of what they did against Austin P. And I think if, I, if you're Florida, that's what you test, right? You test, can their receivers block on the outside? Because if if Brew McCoy and Dante Thornton and Ramel Keaton aren't blocking well or, or Squirrel White's not blocking well, those bubble screens, it doesn't matter if they stack the box and get caught on the screen. They're still going to beat you. They're still going to stop it. So Tennessee has got – that's actually a big key that I didn't think of until that question came up. How good at blocking 
pass blocking are Tennessee's receivers? And maybe you know the answer to that, Dave. I don't know. How good are Tennessee's receivers in blocking? Pass blocking, yeah. Or blocking on screens, yeah. Uh, I think they're very physical, good blockers as a whole. I mean, whether it's against the run or passing, it's more difficult to do in space, but I think they're athletic and they do that. I, I think they take a lot of pride in that, which is saying something for a air quote passing offense, even though they run the football. The five Gators that you need to watch is brought to you by our friends at Harold Group Security Solutions. And at number five, you've got Graham Mertz. You have to have the quarterback in there, right? Yeah, it's by default. <laughs> And, but I mean, I'll say this Tennessee, if again, he's a statue, so it's going to be all about the pressure, but he does have a nice touch in the vertical passing game. He's very efficient. Tennessee secondary still is a question still hasn't really been tested. So you never know. I mean, you especially have to have the quarterback when you're playing Tennessee. Yep. Very true. Uh, With uh, Graham, I would say this. I think Tennessee is going to be able to put the heat on him early. He's He might be the number one factor in my mind just because I think he could make a lot of mistakes. So I think Tennessee is going to be able to pressure him to the likes of which he's never seen before. Number four, Jordan Castle at safety. Uh, a highly touted freshman in uh, Florida's 2023 class. But... That's uh, a freshman at safety, your last line of defense. I don't want none of that. Uh, Rashad Baker was fantastic, but I think LeBrandon Tofield is still dragging him through Baton Rouge somewhere. Uh, when he's in, when Baker started as a safety, I don't, I don't think you want that, but that's where Florida is. Yes. The question is, is Jordan Castell Eric Berry or is he not? If he's not Eric Berry, you test him. Because nobody, nobody, even as a freshman, no one tested Eric Berry. He was, well, they did, but they paid for it. And Jordan Castell, yeah, I think you, I think you test him. We're talking about Florida wants to take away the deep ball. What well, you need the safeties to not get beat, or you need the safeties to not bite on anything to take away the deep ball, right? Even if you're selling out to stop it, isn't that key, Dave? The safeties can't bite. And you don't think a freshman is vulnerable to do that quite a few times? No, absolutely. Uh, and somebody on the message board said, goodness, I don't think we appreciate a hooker like we should have. So consistent and accurate. Our red zone O is terrible this year. Oh, man, I thought you were talking about me. That's why I put that message board message up. I thought you were talking about this hooker, Dave Hooker. I didn't read the whole thing before I put it up. I'll be darned, man. I just dropped the ball on that one. Leadership experience, specialization, Herald Group Security Solutions, addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation techniques also making your children safer one school at a time we hear of all these terrible tragedies go to your school administrator and say Harold group security solutions put the pressure on them because they can work with private schools now but not public schools yet but we want that to change for the safety of your children Harold group security solutions and we go forward with the next one that is the top Gators that you need to keep an eye on. So we are at number three, Shamar James. Line yes. Back. Now he's not a freshman. He was a highly touted freshman in the 2022 class, but he was, it was always, it was always going to be like when he's, it, it was like a Nico situation year to learn and then become a starter. He became the starter this year. 
and he's kind of exploding for Florida's defense and a really good job has 19 total tackles already. I think that Tennessee is obviously going to want to get the run game going. They're going to want to get that intermediate passing attack going. It's all going to come down to whether or not they can make, whether or not Shamar James can give them trouble or not. They got to keep it. They got to account for him every time. Ben said, oh, Dave, we appreciate all you as well. Come on now. I feel bad. No, no, no. Man. I was joking with you. Hey, on the message board, let me ask you this as a kind of a weird rhetorical question. How many of you have, because most people are casual football fans. They don't spend 40 hours a week like Caleb and I do working it. How many of these dudes have you heard of? And used to be when you go into the Florida game, you've heard of all of them, right? I mean, back yep. in the day, not just the quarterback, but you knew a Percy Harvin, you knew a Brandon Spikes, you knew all these dudes. I, I know them, but I'm wondering how many of you guys actually know them, which speaks, not that I'm testing your knowledge, but just which speaks to the fact that Florida's throwing in a bunch of dudes that haven't done anything yet. I mean, Caleb, that's a fact. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, really, well, I mean, you probably somewhat, had to do your research somewhat. a little more than most Florida games with these lists. Did you have to do a little bit more research? Right, right, exactly. You're right because I did have to do some research for this one because they are testing a lot of people that we that are just untested. They have a couple of proven people we're about to get to, but you're right. This isn't you're not basing Tim T. Like I said, Tim Tebow or or you say LeBrandon Tofield still dragging Rashad Baker. Like I said two segments ago, I think Brandon James is still running, and it's. Mm-hmm. You know, which, by the way, during that time, for those who don't know, Tennessee didn't have a special teams coach in 2006. They they ran it collectively because they thought it didn't matter. Yeah, it's, really great idea. it's just yeah. a great idea. Just take a third of the game and we'll just throw it up in the air and grab something. Who's number yes. two? We finally get to a wide receiver, which Florida was once known for. And now they're known for being detail oriented. That's <laughs> Coach Napier. That's the way he rolls. Who's number two? Ricky Pearsall's number two. Last year, he had over 100 yards receiving. He's already got two, over 200 yards receiving this year. He is an elite weapon in space. Obviously, Tennessee secondary has some questions. Florida did go for over 400 yards against him through the air last year. So, Ricky Pearsall, I mean, again, it's pretty obvious that he's going to be a huge weapon for them, and Tennessee's got to account for him. Yep, no doubt about it. And then, number one, he's a princely young man. Yes, uh, princely Ubanile, the defensive lineman. Um, and I said that very fancy and he is, he is a, what I call him still like a hybrid defensive end. I'd say it's kind of what Tennessee wanted to get out of Dominic Bailey, but I just feel like they haven't yet, which is a guy that is more of a defensive end and edge rusher, but can line up in the middle at the same time and very versatile. And if Tennessee's run game, one, Joe Milton is still questionable with his pocket presence and two, Tennessee's got to make sure two Tennessee's got some questions on the interior of their offensive line right now. Haven't been tested yet. And three, they need the run game to work if they're going to win this, if they're going to win. If Joe Milton is off like last week and Florida manages to take away the run game, it'll be because of Princely. And if they do manage to take away the run game, Tennessee's not winning. Yep, absolutely. We've talked about it being a bit down in the SEC. So in 90 seconds, I asked this question to you. For a national championship, do you take the SEC versus the field? Got some strong thoughts on this with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker and why the SEC will continue their dominance over college football, despite the fact that they look a bit down now. 90 seconds. Hang tight off those sports. Candace, I was was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly 
in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. KS has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Stop, hesitate, and listen. Caleb's back with a whole new invention. Go a little vanilla ice there. Hit your like and subscribe button right now. And if you haven't, do that. Turn your notifications on. And if you're listening on one of our many audio platforms and you like the show, do me a favor, leave us a rating, especially on Spotify or Apple. It helps us get out there a little bit more. Greatly appreciate it. We've had several five-star ratings, so thank you very much for that. And those sorts of things uh, help us grow the program, and that's the goal. So we want to have more great guests like uh, Jimmy Himes, John Adams, Josh Ward, Fred White, Spencer Riley. I'll stack those up with anybody. And we're with you weekdays live at 10 a.m. But get those notifications on because Philip Fulmer is going to join us before long for the Celebrate 98 series. T. Martin before long with the Celebrate 98 series. And I would like to let everybody know I will be at El Chico Thursday from 3 to 6. That's on Merchants Drive in Knoxville, the book signing, or Celebrate 98, the untold stories behind the Tennessee Vols 1998 National Championship. You can purchase that book right down there. Uh, you can also go to Amazon, uh, but if you go down there, you can get a personalized autograph uh, copy. I'd be glad to do that for you. Thank you so much for those that have made that a possibility. And we'll be at Clancy's uh, Tavern, and that will be on Friday from 3 to 6, the day before the Florida game. I'll be able to do some uh, autograph signings there. So there's a lot going on, and we're excited about it before we get to that notion that the SEC is down and can't win a national championship. Smoky Mountain Red said, Dave, Caleb, if Joe is off and the game is in Florida's favor, do you see them sticking with him in this game? Here is what I was told, and I did mention this earlier, Smoky Mountain Red. They are so in love with Joe Milton that it would take an absolute duo of disastrous performances. I'm talking about three or four interceptions um against florida three or four against maybe utsa in a close win to even get to that point and as caleb brought up earlier i do not think that physically that nico is is ready at this point 
I think he needs to get a little bit bigger. I mean, the guy had a wrist injury heading into the Austin P game that was kind of kept quiet. So, no, I, I would be stunned. I would be stunned if Joe Milton this season, because I think he'll play well and because they love him, I would be stunned if uh, Nico made an entrance for any other reason other than Milton got hurt. Click the like and subscribe button, please, especially for those new ones. But we love the like button. You, you were going to say, Caleb? Something else that I think helps Milton a little bit because, again, we talked about this yesterday with John Adams, his inability to not let things get to him, which he's acknowledged. I think playing in front of a home crowd actually hurts him a little bit. I actually think playing I, – I think sometimes playing on the road, people talk about pressure – I think if you deal with pressure in a negative way, I think if you have trouble with pressure, I actually think you're better off playing on the road because you know that it there's less pressure to go out and anger a hostile environment than there is to try to deliver for the people cheering you on at the same time. And if you guys noticed, Joe Milton's best game was the Orange Bowl, which, yes, there were more Tennessee fans than Clemson fans in Miami last year, significantly so, but it still wasn't really a home game. Whereas... Look, I mean, last week you kind of heard the boost rumble and then it got very clear at one point. You're not going to hear that this weekend with Florida because he's not playing well. Good point. A um, a, a contention that came up in a show that I was listening to recently was uh, the SEC. And I heard a host say that if he had to take the SEC versus the field to win a national title, he would take the field Ooh. okay let's go what the h what the what was he thinking release the hounds the dave hooker show keep cool a presentation of off the hook sports.com all right so i'm gonna go ahead and throw it at you the sec versus the field in winning a national title you've got all the sec teams and you've got many, many more teams, including some pretty good ones in Ohio State, Michigan. Texas is not an SEC team yet. Who would you take, SEC versus the field? Well, I bet based on odds. And you probably have your best odds taking the field. I'm sorry, you probably have your best odds taking the SEC right now, your best payout taking the SEC than you've had in 15 years. And so because of that, I'm taking the SEC because they still have won 14 of 18 national titles. Georgia is still undefeated and still there. Ohio State, who I picked to win the national title at the beginning of the year, they have issues at quarterback. And by the way, when I make a pick to win a national title, I don't say that there's a greater than 50% chance that that team wins a national title. I pick them by a plurality. So I say Ohio State may have a 25% chance. But then all the other teams I would say in the 20 to 15 range would be LSU, Alabama, Georgia. And I'm not changing after LSU and Alabama just lost this week, the second week of the season. And Georgia is still undefeated, albeit having not been tested. So because of that, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still taking the field. I, I, I don't care what people say about Texas and Florida State. I still don't believe in Steve Sarkeesian and Mike Norvell. I do. I, after the way they pushed Alabama around at home, I do believe in Texas. Florida State, I'm still 50-50 on but you got to give them a little credit. Michigan is what Michigan is. Georgia also last year played down to their opponent. I think you've already seen that happen uh, this year as well to some extent. They also did that in the college football playoff 
uh, last year. Uh, was it against TCU? I believe that they that that was a pretty Ohio close State. Game. Ohio State. Ohio State. I don't think they played down to Ohio State. Ohio State is loaded with first round talent. That's I, I got to be honest with that. That's true, but you would agree last year during the regular season that they played down to their opponent, right? Yes, yes, they did play down okay. to their opponent during the regular season. If you play down to your opponent against <clears throat> Michigan or Texas or uh, Southern California or Ohio State, you you could you could certainly lose that game. And I think really what you're talking about right now, so I'm going to go with the numbers. <clears throat> I think the teams that could win the national title are, of course, <clears throat> pardon me, Georgia at number one, Michigan at number two, Florida State's number three, but I don't think they can win a national title. Okay, so I'm still with Caleb on that one. Texas at number four, so Southern California at number five with a returning Heisman winner, and Ohio State that's still trying to find itself. So I'm not including Penn State, Washington, Notre Dame. I don't think those are teams. But basically, I have five teams versus your one. So I will say that if I had to take it right now, I would take the field and those five versus your one in Georgia that can play down to the level of your opponent. Now, how that changes is if Alabama writes the ship. I don't think Alabama is going to right the ship. I think that is trending downwards and it's not going to go up under Nick Saban. I think eventually you're going to see that they are not going to be a championship worthy team for the remainder of his career. There, I said it. And now the other X. That is such an overreaction. Okay. (laughs) I I, I can take that, uh, but I, I just don't. I think I've seen two years of them be average. And that, that to me is enough. It's not an overreaction just to Texas, but fair enough. Um, the, the other team is Tennessee. I mean, if Tennessee turns out to be as good as they are defensively, as good as they are at running the football and they can shore up the passing issues, be it drops or errant passes, and they're very good at special teams, then you've got two teams that are in the conversation for the sec. But right now I'll take five versus one any day of the week, even though I think Georgia is still the best team in the nation. But going back to that Ohio State game, which I referenced and you corrected me on, I do not believe that the gap is as significantly different as it was when Alabama was that much better than everybody else. I don't think the gap is that much different, Caleb. Okay. Um, I don't think the gap – is I look, I picked Ohio State to win the national title this year. So I didn't think the gap was different either. But I've seen I I based that off quarterback play and Kyle McCord is not is going to be the worst quarterback Ohio State has had since Craig Krenzel. Okay. He, and so uh, that's a throwback for you. I will also say you also forgot another one. Look, I'm gonna say it. I, I'm I'm gonna I did not I'm, stop You're not gonna say LSU, are you? Yes, I did not stop drinking the LSU Kool-Aid, and I'm gonna tell you guys why. Listen to me. Hear me out. Against Grambling, they did what they should have done against Florida State, and they moved Harold Perkins back to defensive end full-time. With Harold Perkins back as a full-time edge rusher and not an inside linebacker where he shouldn't be, they won't get torched defensively the way they got torched against Florida Florida State. Jane Daniels has issues, yes. But John Adams told us yesterday that Garrett Nussmeyer may be the best NFL quarterback in the SEC. Are we sure Garrett Nussmeyer is not starting by the end of the year, Dave? Well, he might be, I guess. 
Um, I'm not. I'm not calling. I am not pounding the gavel on LSU. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not pounding the gavel on LSU. It was week one, and they were experimenting with Harold Perkins at inside linebacker, which they shouldn't have do. In 1997, Tennessee lost to Florida, 33 to 20. Lar- that was a bigger blowout than 33 to 22, largely because, as Fred White has educated me on, they were for some reason using Leonard Little at middle linebacker, and they were not fast enough to handle Spurrier's fun and gun with that. And- well, that was just hands down stupid. But I mean, I knew it yes. at the time, and I was like, "That that was bizarro." But uh, and Tennessee almost topic. played for the national title in '97. Yeah, still staying on topic. Let's take a look at the odds. So see how they stack up, and that, of course, is brought to you by Zen Sports. I want to remind you that I'm seeing clearly why because Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han enjoy life when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK, cataract surgery, and regular eye examination. Go to CCT Eyes. CCTIs.com. So let's take a look at the odds brought to you by Zen Sports and use the promo code HOOKED with uh, Zen Sports. And I'll tell you what, uh, betting got better. And I'll tell you more about that. But first, uh, let's look at the odds. Georgia, a plus 225. So uh, to explain to that for, for those that don't mean basically you're a two to one odd to win a, cha- a national championship. Yeah, drop 100, you win 225. Okay, so that would be a, that would be a, yeah, two to Actually, one. Drop drop a hundred, drop a hundred. You take home three twenty five, so you net two twenty five. Okay, so then uh, Michigan is a plus five hundred. Uh, Ohio State is a plus nine hundred. Texas is a plus eleven hundred. Florida State's a plus twelve hundred. Southern California plus sixteen hundred, and then you kind of get to the fall off of the Penn States and Notre Dames, which I have no faith in. Alabama's a plus thirty three hundred. There might be some value in that but how does that alter your thinking if at all Caleb based off the latest numbers that we're getting from Zen Sports well if we could set again if you set a SEC versus the field specifically I'm still high on taking the SEC and I'm not just saying maybe Georgia even though Georgia is the highest likelihood there is still Tennessee out there there is still LSU and Alabama out there I'm not writing them off I don't care what anybody says I'm not I refuse to write them off they're still Wait a minute, Auburn and Ole Miss out there to a lesser degree. I mean, how sure are we that one of those teams won't be competing at the end of the year? Mm, Man, both of those teams, if it were the 12-team playoff, I would say maybe, but because I think they're going to get better through the year, I just don't think they're going to be in position to be able to be those that sort of team. I mean, do you really think that they could make a four-team playoff at this point? I don't, but crazier things have happened. I do think that <laughs> – look, I, I'm going to tell you this. If Tennessee if, – if, if it wasn't for the Austin P game, I'd be pounding the gavel right now and say bet on Tennessee to win the SEC at least. I'd be picking them to beat Georgia because I don't think Georgia has a quarterback and they got an issue there. I think, again, the problem is – Ohio State doesn't have a quarterback. Michigan still doesn't have athletes on the outside. And so USC doesn't have a defense. So who are we looking at? I mean, okay, yes, Texas and Florida State, but I I, I don't see Texas and Florida State matching up with Georgia. Now, again, yes, Texas beat Alabama. D- Dave, you watched that game. I don't know. I don't know if you watched that game. I did. People are forgetting this. Alabama, outside of quarterback, was better than Texas for three quarters. Everywhere else, they were better than Texas. The problem was Alabama doesn't have a quarterback who couldn't hit the ground if he spiked the ball. 
Okay. And they have the worst quarterback they've ever had in the Nick Saban era. I take John Parker Wilson over Jalen Milrow. And it's that bad. If they had a quarterback, they're winning that game. Texas pulled away in the fourth quarter because the quarterback play was so awful. They don't have a quarterback. And actually, I'll say this. They're poorly coached on offense. Is that is that crazy to say, Dave, that a Nick Saban team is poorly coached on one side of the ball? They're poorly coached no. on offense. No, I, th- I thought they would be. Those odds are brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get with their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash. Use that promo code hooked. Use the promo code hooked. That's because you get unlimited 5% cash back. For a welcome bonus, you get an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for the first 15 days when you sign up with the promo code hooked. That's hooked, unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on their betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Must be 21 or over. And in Tennessee to bet. So... You really think that Ole Miss and Auburn could make a run at the college football playoff? I just want to go back to that for a second. I think Ole Miss would beat Notre Dame on a neutral field. Well, I don't think Notre Dame can make a real run, though. Okay, fair enough. I think Ole Miss might beat USC on a neutral field. That USC, Lane Kiffin coaching against that USC defense? Hmm. Interesting. All right, NIL transfer portal. Have they brought more parity to college football? Yay or nay, what say you, Caleb Calhoun? You know, so I'm going to bring up the context. This has been a talk after the first two weeks because Alabama looks down. The SEC in general looks down. Clemson lost. I mean, every of the the four teams that have won the last eight national titles all have a loss two weeks into the year, which is crazy, except for Georgia. Four of the five teams that have won the last eight national titles all have a loss. LSU, Alabama, Clemson. Excuse me, three of the four, three of the four. Okay, so there's been a question on, is there more parity in college football? No. These two weeks were just an aberration. It's not something you typically expect. It's not part of a trend. I'm going to tell you guys that. If there's any trend, maybe there's a changing of the guard at who the teams at the top are. I don't believe that either, but it's possible. But there's not more parity. And you can track this. So the talent composite rankings, which looks at the transfer portal with recruiting the Alabama right now is number one with 1,015 points. Three years ago, before NIL or the transfer started, Georgia was number one at 990 points. So Alabama has even more talent now than teams generally had before the transfer portal. And there's a larger point gap between them and number 20, which is Florida State, than there was three years ago between Georgia and number 20, which at the time was laughably Stanford. So just on that alone, there's not more parity. We might see just, I think this is just one of those years where it's an aberration, where Alabama just happens to not have a quarterback. There's experience issues with some of the more talented teams. So this is the 2007 version of the college football playoff era. Caleb. Caleb. Like, I mean, you're one of my favorite all-time guys to work with. You're so, so wrong. So, so incredibly wrong. And I'll give you one 
word. Okay. Prime time. Prime time. Colorado was nothing last year. They have had two big wins, and they're probably going to be bowl eligible after, I think, having three wins over three years and one win last year. Tennessee has become relevant quicker than possible. I know that's not what you're talking about, parity, because Tennessee should always be good. But, yes, it has brought more parity, because if dude X can't play, he can go to another school. Notre Dame is better this year because of bringing in Sam Hartman. They would not be in the discussion of a national title, which I don't think they should be, but they would not be in the discussion without bringing in that quarterback. Again, that's not parity, but it is because everybody's level across the board. You can't keep, that's why Tennessee's quarterback situation is so special. And you guys are arguing whether or not Nico should play. Just be blessed that you have two guys with elite ability right now. But listen, if, if, if a quarterback can't find his way as a starter, he can go somewhere else and help a team. Um, if another player can't find his way, he can go somewhere else and help a team. So, yes, I don't see how you can possibly say that there's not more parity when the talent, you would have to agree, right, is more spread out. Correct? I thought it was more spread out, and I want to be honest with you guys. I was ready to come in this morning to say it was more spread out, and there was at least more parity when the Power 5 teams. But numbers don't lie. The composite talent rankings don't lie. The gap is larger right now than it was four years ago. If the transfer portal was even... Four years, no, four years ago, it was Alabama or Georgia. They are going to win the national title. Now Wait, it's I, I'm Georgia saying, Conda. I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying from the 247 sports composite, which scores the recruits coming out of high school, you would think with the transfer portal, the gap would be narrower. It's not. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It's not. There's a larger gap between Alabama and number 20 and between Alabama and number 10 than there was last year. Alabama has more talent overall than they had the previous few years. They just don't have a quarterback. Now, you can maybe say a quarterback is the great neutralizer, and I will say maybe the quarterbacks are more spread out across the country right now, which neutralizes things a little bit better. But outside of quarterback, Alabama and Georgia are still head and shoulders above the rest of the country in talent. You're talking about a guy who sent two kids to college based off covering college football recruiting, okay? But I'm done with the rankings. And I meant to talk to you about this at some point off the air. Just, I'm done. I think they are so absolutely manipulated based off this network or that network and who their biggest site is and who the biggest fan base is. I think that if you're Alabama and you pick up a guy, his ratings go up. I think if you're Tennessee and you pick up a guy, they don't. Um, because Josh Heupel doesn't care and doesn't try to manipulate those ratings, and neither does Nick Saban, but they know that they've got a 10,000 subscriber base. And I, I absolutely love what uh, the, the guys at uh, VolQuest are doing and Brit Hubs, but I think that that's one of the biggest sites on on three. So did they get a boost? I think that that very well could happen outside of their control. I'm not knocking any of those guys, but I think based off of, 
whether you're rivals or you're on three or whether you're a two, four, seven, your rankings move based off how big your particular site is on that network. <clears throat> and I believe it's to the point that recruiting rankings, I think there's a vast void right now that somebody could step in and just throw out recruiting rankings, give evals, not give out stars, or maybe give out stars, and it have nothing to do with the individual teams. And there's a void out there that somebody could fill as far as rankings. So I am done with recruiting rankings. Done, done, done. I want to see you as a freshman. I want to hear about what, like Nico, for instance, I want to hear about what you've done when you've showed up on campus. Now, my sources are better at some schools like Tennessee and some others. I'm not going to mention the others, but I'm done. I'm done with recruiting rankings. I'm done with you have the number one class versus the number five class. I think you're if, you, if you're in the top five, you're in a different level. If you're in the top 10, you're in a slightly lower level. And then you're probably middling in a medium sort of level. I'm done with recruiting rankings. There, I said it. This is a bold statement from Dave, but Dave, I got to be honest with you. When do you think this change happened? Because this talent composite we can get bringing out, bringing out to you, all but one team that won a national championship was in the top five in the talent composite ranking since 2015 when they started tracking this. And so... Well, no, top five is a different level. So if you're at top five, then you're at a level in which you can... Now, TCU would be the exception, and then Cincinnati would have been the exception, that you can make a college football playoff and make a run for the uh, a national title. But top five, okay, top five is one thing. Top... 10 top if you want to go 5 to 15 that's another that you need to have a special run which is kind of where Tennessee is and what they did last year and what they might do this year but as a whole um I don't think there's a big difference between 1 and 5 I think a lot of the reason is there's more people that play college football I thought that would take a hit after the whole concussion thing but that's gone away and yeah I just I don't see it. And with the transfer portal, again, if you're not playing, you're you're going someplace really, really good to play. I mean, when you've got uh, uh, Sam Hartman that goes from Wake to Notre Dame in one year, how can you tell me that that doesn't bring more parity to college football? Well, it's not bearing out anywhere but quarterback, which is why I said, and maybe, maybe where we can maybe come to an agreement here, would you maybe say – like I said, that maybe quarterback is the equalizer where the quarterbacks are getting more spread out now because quarterbacks don't want to wait two years to become a starter like they used to. Quarterback Sand- be- Colorado would not be, would not be, would they be 0 2 without Shador Sanders? So I guess that's where I'm at. Would they be 0 2? No, I think they would have found a way to be 1 1. But I see your point. Shador Sanders is pretty special and might end up winning the Heisman this year, as crazy as that sounds. But it, I think two positions, okay, quarterbacks, and I can look at a guy that's 330 pounds and can move at defensive tackle and tell you if he's pretty darn good. I mean, if you want to talk about those guys, yeah, I, I can point out, hey, he's good. You know, Tennessee, I would point him out. <laughs> yes. Um, so I think it's those two positions that will keep the SEC at an elite level because most of those guys are from the Southeast. And quarterback, well, the defensive yes. line quarterbacks are from everywhere, 
Right. No, I mean, specifically the the big uglies, the defensive tackles, the war daddies, whatever you want to call them. I think those are the guys that still uh, tilt it towards the SEC's favor. But you're right. Quarterbacks are everywhere. And but those are the two positions I would look at that if things aren't going your way, you can go somewhere else and you can you can play. So, yes, I think uh, the transfer portal has brought parity to college football. Not across the board. I'm not saying that Austin P is going to walk in and really have a chance against Tennessee. They didn't. Um, but I think from the one to twenty, yeah, I think there's I think there's some parity. So, do you think when the college football playoff goes to twelve teams next year, there's going to be one of those non? There's going to be two group of five champions get in because there's only going to be a power four next year. So throw those out. So it'll be ten team ten teams from like the power conferences get in. You're telling me you think that the worst team of those 10 will have a chance against the best team of those 10. Yes. No, not happening. Okay. Wait, Giants, wait, wait. Patriots, let me make sure. 07 let me, isn't you're happening. talking one to 12. Okay. Let me ask you this. Does the five, okay, the first four in the college football playoff will have a buy. Mm-hmm. So are you, are you telling me five versus 12 is a non-matchup that five is just going to dominate 12 every year? Cause I don't believe I can't. That. Well, I can't say that because I don't know who 12 is going to be and how they're going to see it. I don't know if they're going to be preferential treatment to conference champions. Put it this way. If 12 is one of those group of five teams that get in and they're playing five, yeah, five's dominating 12 every single time. There, You will never see five not beat 12 by 30. Do we need the hookers rating scale? Yes, we do. That is right there on our message board. Give us a review. I was 69. <laughs> give give us a review if you're on the uh the spotify and we'd love to hear that and uh if you're on apple give us a review as well that helps us get out there even more click like and subscribe and uh again the celebrate 98 book is available personalized uh, copies and they will be in stores near you you can get on amazon and order them but if you would like to just right down below, you can click on it, and I'd be more than happy to autograph, and they will start shipping out today for those that have ordered some. So we're looking forward to that. Got the hardcovers in, and I'm pretty darn pleased. I have a car full of books, um, like a literally trunk and backseat full of books. I should have gotten a bigger, <laughs> bigger car. He's Caleb Calhoun, and uh, thanks to the UPS man for getting them here because they have not been easy because I have a long driveway. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. We'll be with you each and every weekday at 10 a.m. Like and subscribe. We appreciate that. Turn your notifications on. Philip Fulmer coming up with the Celebrate 98 series, as is T. Martin. And that Sunday show with Fred, Fred White, that's just white hot fire. Brought to you by Herald Group Security Solutions. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.